Made it. Good morning. My name is Don. I'm glad to be able to be here with you again just to hear these guys. My goodness, they are unbelievable. Fantastic. Indeed. We, uh, we started a series at the beginning of, of July called Road Trip. And Alan was leading us in that very first week about, hey, we're going to go through the 13th and 14th chapter of Acts, which nobody ever does that. We're going to look at the great adventure of, of Paul and Barnabas as they're taking the great commission to a world that needs to know about Jesus. That, that's not only never heard about Jesus, most of them didn't even know about God. They had all this. And, um, and I'm going, okay, I'm with you on that. That sounds great. And then he starts saying this. He says, not only was it a great adventure of Paul and, and Barnabas, I want you to kind of travel with them on this, but he goes, I, I think God's doing, has this calling in me to, to have this great adventure. And I'm, I'm going, well, what do you mean by that? I'm, I'm, I, I, you're not leaving, are you, Alan? And, no, he's not just leaving for the month of July, evidently, but he's not leaving, but he's just saying, God's stirring in me that there's something there's something more, there's something bigger, there's this adventure for me that I want to be a part of, I want to say yes to. I'm going, well, go for it then, Alan. God bless you, you're my pastor. Yahoo, let's, let's give a little hand for Alan. He's going to be going, yeah, he's going to go on this great adventure. Yahoo, Alan. And then he goes, how about you? How about you? How about you? Are you willing to go on a great adventure with God? And I'm going, well, no, I just want to go to church. I mean, how about you? And there's Alan going, how about you? And then what I'm hearing is, how about you? That's God. How about you? And I'm going, whoa. God, would you have a great adventure for me? And then he had, Alan had the audacity to say, this month, would you fast and pray that God would show you what the great adventure would be? I don't know about you, but true confession time, I did better with the praying than the fasting this month. But I wonder, how about you? I mean, as you've tracked along with, with this journey of Paul and Barnabas, have you heard that little voice of God, that whisper, that prompting? I've got something for you. I got in a great adventure for you. Well, I want us to look at that a little bit. I'm going to revisit that with you for a moment, but let's just spend some time with, with Paul and Barnabas as they're closing out what was a two-year journey that began in Antioch of Syria, where the church laid hands on them and sent them to do a mission. And now at the end of the 14th chapter of Acts, they're about ready to come home. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there with me, if you would, and let's listen to the story as it continues. If, if you remember last week, Jan left off as, as Paul was in Lystra and they were throwing rocks at him. They stoned him to the point where they thought he died and they carried him off to the end of the city, laid him out in the dung heap thinking he was dead and he revived up again, <laughs> brushed himself off and then he heads into Derby with Barnabas and continues on. So the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby then verse 21 of Acts 14, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, 
and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. After going through Pisidia, then came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered the church together, reported all that God had done through them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. As that all closes down, they go back to Antioch, which is really home now. Jerusalem is no longer the, the home church, it's in Antioch. And can you imagine what it must have felt like to finally come home? I mean, home. There's so much emotion with home. There's so much, um, there's so much nostalgia with home. There's so much passion with home. The longer you've been away and the the, the more you've been through, just to come home feels, feels good. I mean, there's something about home. Think about it. What's, what's on the news like flashing on, on every news show right now, news program? North Korea is, is sending back the remains of 55, with 55 boxes of soldiers out of 5,600, 5,300 or whatever that thought missing in, in North Korea. And they're, they're sending the remains back and the little caption is, coming home, coming home. And the emotion that is felt. I mean, when they interview some of the family members, sons, daughters, grandkids of these, of these men who, who gave it all in the Korean War, 65 years ago was the armistice signed. And yet there's emotion in just coming home. I don't know if, uh, I don't know that I've ever been off away that much with that kind of, that kind of passion. I, I can remember going off to college and thinking I'm free at last, I never have to go home again, I'm away from my parents, I'm on my own, and about three months into eating cafeteria food and living in the dormitory, home sounded pretty good. And I went home, fried chicken with gravy, my mom's chocolate chip cookies, it just felt good. But this is more than a homecoming like vacation or college or, it, this is, this, what this reminds me of when I read this passage, especially these last eight verses in this scripture, is, is somebody going off to, to war. I don't know if you're familiar with the name Norman Rockwell. Um, you that are older at least surely do. He was an illustrator for the Saturday Evening Post and he would, he would just put into to an illustration into artwork, some of the greatest moments of, of Americana history. And one of his most famous ones was after World War II, when there's a, there's a little, the cover of, of Saturday Evening Post, it's up on the screen here, but here's this, this young soldier comes home, he's got his bag of all his belongings, probably somewhere out in like Philadelphia or Boston, you look at the architect, he comes in the, in the back door, backyard, and there's, Sister and brother running to greet him. There's a dog chasing after. There's, there's mom with arms wide open and dad with his mouth wide open and the neighbors all peeking in here. He's coming up and look around the corner there. That's his girlfriend, I think. <laughs> She's like, you're home. The caption for that is simply this, 
Homecoming. Homecoming. I think of Paul. He didn't just go on a road trip. He went off to war. I mean, there was a lot at stake in his travels. His life was just inches away from being taken from him. They faced all the hardship and tribulation and persecution along with a lot of good stuff, but I mean, it, it was a battle to come back and it had to feel good to come home. I don't know exactly what it, when it was when God said, okay, that's enough, return home, but I'm very curious because he, he took a long road home. I don't know if you've looked at a map through this journey or not. I'm kind of a map guy, even though there's GPS and all that kind of stuff. I like to just look at a map. If you'll remember back th three, three or four weeks ago, they started in Antioch. They're off, if you look at Jerusalem, that's Israel. Up, up to about Syria is Antioch of Syria. They traveled to the, to the coast and then went into Cyprus and traveled across Cyprus. In Paphos, they found a sorcerer. You remember the sorcerer that, that scared them to death and, and uh, they dealt with him. And then they went up north to Perga, Perga which is basically Turkey. And on the way there, somehow, Paul got probably malaria, a touch of malaria. He got very sick. John Mark, who was traveling with him, just said, I had enough. I'm out of here. And he left and he went back to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas go up to Pisidian Antioch. And there he preaches one of these long sermons that, the first one that's recorded for us, that, that takes the gospel story from the Old Testament all the way in the New. People are, are attracted to it. They're listening to it. And then all of a sudden, there's some naysayers. The religious people are, are like, this, this is a threat to us. And they start to, to cause problems. So he's kicked out of Antioch. He goes to Iconium. Um, they, they start having good results, and then they get antagonists, and they kick him out of, an, of Iconium. They go to Lystra, where he, he sees a crippled guy. The Lord heals the crippled guy. The people see Paul and Barnabas healing somebody. They think they're Greek gods. And they say, we, we're, gonna, we're here to worship you. And Paul's trying to get them not out. We're not Zeus. We're not Hermes. This is... And about the time they're riding pretty high, people thinking they're gods, here come the antagonists again who stir up the crowd, get everybody against them. They, they start picking up rocks and they stone him, think he's dead, drag him outside the city gates, throw him up on the dung heap and leave him for dead. He wakes up, brushes himself off, and goes into a place called Derby, which starts this 21st verse, just kind of east of Lystra, and there he has a great, great ministry. Lots of people come into the Lord, tons of people. And then the Lord says, okay, you can go home. Now, I don't know about you, but Lystra, when I wake up at the dung heap about dead, that's when I decide to go home. I'm, I'm out of here. God, if this is the way it's going to be, no more. I, I went out then. But he goes to Derby, has some of the best ministry that he can have. So here's a good place to get. Okay, Derby. Finally, let's end on a high note. Let's don't end on a death note. Good idea. Let's end on a high note. Things are going well. But verse 21 says this. Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra and Iconium, Antioch, Persia, and then over back to Antioch of Syria. Why? I mean, I want to I be done and I want to make a quick trip right over to Antioch from, from Derby, from Lystra, Derby area. 
just a little, just a little jaunt around that inlet or get right to the coast and take a quick little, little boat trip over to Antioch and be home, be home. And he says, no, I'm going to go back to Lystra where I about died. What's going on? I want to suggest to you some very important stuff. So important that it was worth taking the long trip back home because all these people that had converted over to Jesus, it wasn't enough to just leave them there. Now he wanted to follow up with them. The first part of the trip was evangelism. The, the return trip was edification. It's like we can't leave these people with, with not knowing very much about Jesus. We've got to stop and we've got to do something. And so I'm going to invest in these people because the kingdom depends on it, even if it's a little bit longer of a trip back home. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, um, if you, if you want to um, plan for a year, plant grain. If you want to plan for a decade, plant trees. If you want to plan for a century, plant men and women, people. He's, he's planning for a, a century. He's investing in people because the kingdom demands of that. And so he goes back. Now here's, here's what happened. There's, there's a couple things, and I want to give them to you because if, if, if I could be just honest with you, if, if there's one thing I could instill in you to, to, to make you the man and woman of God, it would be what Paul did when he went back to these churches. I think some of the greatest teaching in just some brief notes that makes all the difference because frankly, we get kind of complacent where we are with Christ. Here's what it says about it. He went and he strengthened the disciples. He went back city to city, strengthening the disciples. Some versions say strengthening the soul of the disciples. I love that. Strengthening the innermost being of who they are. Strengthening their soul. In fact, literally, what it says is they're, they're adding conviction to them. They're giving them roots. They're giving them something deeper to hang on to than what they have. They're, they're, they're saying, hey, if you could just catch on to this, that it's, it's more, if I, could, if I could take you to the next level in your faith, if I, could, if I could have you reach a little further in your following Jesus so that you don't get blown away because you're in the Roman Empire. There's false gods, there's idols, there's antagonists that are trying to kill you. Can you imagine being a part of that first church in, in Lystra? Hey, we'd like to invite you to come to our church on Sunday. We got started by this guy named Paul. Oh, really, what happened to him? Well, they took him out about killed him. But come on over. We're going to have a church Sunday. Maybe the same thing can happen to us. Maybe we can all be stoned and thrown out. You know, who wants to do it? So let me give you some stuff to strengthen your soul. I, I love a church that um, did a study, and they said, you know, we're, we're, do, we're doing good in leading people to Jesus, but we're not, we're not developing them. We're not strengthening their soul. And they came up with this little paradigm, which I love. They said, think of it like this. Think of you're driving in your car, and you go anywhere you want, any speed you want. You are living life with the freedom to do anything you want. It's your way, or it's your way on the highway, if you will. And there comes a time when you are confronted with the gospel, the grace of Jesus, and you're invited to ask Jesus to come into your car so that he can ride with you. you want, would you accept Jesus as a passenger? He will bless you, he will give you peace, he will give you joy, he will, he will bless your journey, and you're still going wherever you wanna go, but you have Jesus in the back seat. 
Now, every now and again, Jesus wants to do some backseat driving, and you go, oh, Jesus, no, no, no backseat driving now. We're going, just, just bless the journey, Jesus. That's all I have, just bless the journey. As you grow, though, you, you kind of, I need to get him up in the front seat because I want to put one of those bumper stickers on my car. Jesus is my co-pilot. You know, I want, I want him to help me navigate. So Jesus, should I turn left or right? What do you think? Doesn't mean I'll do either one, but I'd like to know what Jesus thinks. How fast do you think I should go? And, and, and the greatest thing, if you get pulled over by a highway patrol, you just, look who I have in my car, you know. I, I got Jesus in here. And, and you're just going, but, but here's, here's what this church found. As huge of a decision as it is to invite Jesus into your car, it's equally as huge of a decision to invite him to not just be co-pilot, but to be the pilot, to be the driver. In fact, it'd be kind of a, a good country song. Jesus, take the wheel. You know, take over here and you drive wherever you want to go. I'm the passenger. I'm the one. You are, you are now the center of my life. You are, you are, you are my Lord. You talk about a great adventure. One of the greatest adventures you'll ever do is to make that decision. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, I want you to be the one to take me wherever you want to go. Here's what I want to challenge you with. What's your great adventure? Well, Jesus, if you tell me what it is, you know, maybe I'll decide if it, if it doesn't cost too much, if it doesn't require too much, if it, what's the great adventure? Here's what I learned just last week. You say yes, and then he gives you the question. You say yes. Jesus, you have the wheel. All I want to know, wherever you're taking me, I'm with you. Yes, I'm with you 100%. Now what's the adventure? What's the question? That's huge. There will be nothing that changes your soul. There will be nothing that strengthens your soul any more than that, than that very depth of your heart that says, I'm saying yes, now let's go. And Paul goes back to the church and says, I want to strengthen your soul. The old J.B. Phillips says, I want to freshen your heart. I want to freshen your heart. And then it says this. He encouraged them to continue in the faith. He encourages them to continue in the faith. I wish we had more encouragers in the church, don't you? Lord knows we have enough critics. We have critics in the church. We have critics in our family. We have critics in our community. You may have a critic in your row that you're sitting here with. You, we, we have enough people telling us, no, shouldn't be that way. What's wrong with you? Come on. We don't have enough people that just encourage you. The word encouragement is, is literally to, to infuse courage to somebody, to come up to you and just say, if I could just, you can do this. You can keep on going. Don't stop now. Let me encourage you. They breathe courage. You want to take a great adventure. You don't have to go very far just to say, every time I come to church on Sunday, I'm going to look at somebody, look at somebody that needs just a word of encouragement, just a little boost, just a little help, just a little, come on, you can do this thing. Encourage to continue because it's not easy. 
to continue. It's so much easier just to stop, to quit, to run out of gas. I can tell you a dozen different times when I've had a coach or a mentor or a therapist or a pastor that just kept me going by a few words of encouragement that made all the difference. My prayer for you would be every time you walk in these doors, you would either be encouraged by something you heard or you would be an encourager as you go out. That you wouldn't just run in and run out and decide whether it was a good service by the music and whether the message was there and whether Alan was here or whether your favorite person was here or not. But you came in and you go, I'm gonna encourage somebody today. Paul knew that the only way these people are gonna be built up in the faith is if he stops and encourages them to continue on, to keep at it, don't stop. Continue, 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 continue. I want to just tell you this. Paul looks at him, at these guys and says, I got to encourage you to continue because the only way to get through the kingdom is through tribulation. Doesn't that sound encouraging to you? I mean, who wants to sign up for that? Hey, let's go deeper with the Lord. It's going to involve a road of tribulation. The only way to get this thing done. But here's Paul. Paul knows what they're feeling and what they're dealing with. He knows the context that they're in. And he comes back after lifting himself, himself up, after almost being killed, coming off the dung heap, goes back to the same city, and there he is, touch of malaria, eyes probably shut from, from being stoned, orbital bone perhaps broken in his, in his head, arm in a sling, bruises, <laughs> scab open sores, whatever he's, and he's looking at him and, and he's going, I, I want to tell you something. Continue on. The only way to get through this is if you continue in the faith. You got to continue. It's one of the greatest messages that we ever hear from anybody. I was so pleased a while back, my adult son uh, was listening to some music and I go, that's kind of familiar, what do you listen to? He goes, Simon and Garfunkel. I go, dude, you're making your dad proud. Simon and God, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've said, oh, only the good music is in the 70s, you know. What made my heart even swell more is my grandson loves the Beatles. And so I'm just going, like, I I've reached it. This is heaven. He's listening to, but he's listening to Simon and Garfunkel, and I'm going, wow, that, that's a great song. I love this song by Simon and Guy, by Paul, written by Paul Simon. He says this. I've, you know, I'm, I'm, let me tell you a story. This poor boy in New York, and things are going bad for him, and he just wants to leave. You know, it's just it's sucking life out of him, and and I, I, I'm just ready to get out of here. I can't take it anymore. I, I got to get out of here. And then all of a sudden, he says, in the distance stands a boxer and a, and a fighter by trade, and he carries the reminder of every glove that laid him down and cut him till he cried out in his anguish and his pain, his shame. I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. But the fighter still remains. The fighter still remains. If you're going to advance the kingdom of God, guess whose kingdom you're trampling on? The enemy's. And the enemy will do everything he can to stop you. And it's not going to be easy. 
and it's going to be tough, and you're going to give up. And you look in the clearing, and there's a fighter named Paul who says, I've been kicked out, I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked, I've had disease, I've had every kind of thing you can think. They stoned me and left me for dead. But I'm back here. Because I want to tell you, remain, stay, continue, don't stop. My wife and I, a month ago, celebrated our 40th anniversary of marriage. 40 years. I got to tell you, thank you. She needs the applause, not me. I'm, you know, I've had every day of our 40 years has been sunshine and lollipops. Let me just tell you, every single day. No, there's been some tough times. The only way we've made it 40 years, we've learned to continue. Just to continue and stay, keep at it. Unlike, not unlike a, an old couple I heard one time, the guy was asked how, how they made it so long. He said, well, that frankly, there, there, there were days when I didn't want to be married no more. And there were days when she didn't want to be married no more. And thank God we never felt the same on the same day. That's how we made it. That's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. There are days when you don't think you can make it. You don't want to make it. Stay. Continue. Remain. How do you remain? What do you remain? You remain in the faith. Not just have faith, but the faith. The faith was the didactic teaching of the apostles. In the second chapter of Acts, they gave themselves to this teaching. Continually, steady diet of the apostles' teaching. The faith was all the Old Testament. Added the 12 apostles. They didn't have Bibles in those days. They had the faith that was being passed along through through prophets and through, through the disciples and through the apostles. And they hung on to that. They knew that staying with the faith was going to help them continue. It was so important that Paul, as he was going through there, said, I need to organize the church in every one of these cities. And so he, he started to develop leaders in each church because he knew that what was going to keep them strong, what was going to keep them continuing on, what was going to allow them to know what the faith was all about, was to be able to gather with a group of people. They didn't have little Bibles in those days to read about the faith. They couldn't go on their iPad and iPhone and come up with a Bible app. They had to sit together and they'd get a letter from one of the apostles or they would dig into the law and they would read it together or they would hear, would hear it being read and they were built up and it was enough to, to keep them going. I would love to give you conviction that strengthens your soul. And I would love to give you this, this resolve to continue. But I'll tell you what can give it to you better than, than me is the church. You, together. You are the ones that build each other up and keep each other. I may be a little bit old-fashioned, but I'll tell you this. Your life will be different when you're in church Sunday after Sunday or Saturday or whatever day it is that you're involved in a community group, your soul will be built up. You'll be stronger. You'll be, you'll be edified to do an adventure. Some of you, the biggest adventure you can do this next year as you start a new season together at Mountain Park is to recommit yourself to be the church, to be at church, to involve yourself with one another and to involve yourself in the word. 
Paul just lays these things out. You're going to grow as a disciple with these three things. And then when it's all said and done, they finally get back to Antioch. And he sits back and he calls the church together. And he's so excited. He says, I, I've completed the mission. We've completed the mission that you sent us out to do. It's fulfilled. It's done. It's over. Got it done. I mean, that had to feel so good. I'm sure the church is looking at him like, this is good news because you look like it's bad news. It looks like you've been really beat up through this whole thing. No, 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 no. You can't believe what God did. You can't believe what God did. And he opened the door to the Gentiles. I don't know about you, but one of these days, I want to be able to, to accomplish an adventure that when it's all said and done, I can say, I did it. Mission accomplished. I felt God's call. I heard God's call, and it, I did it. And more than important than me going back, hey, I did it, I would love to hear the words of, of God himself that says, Don, you did it. You did it. Do you know how many believers hear God's call and never do it? Never follow it? Just keep on the, on the road of dragging Jesus around in the back seat? Don, you did it. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, to hear that. And to hear conversation going on. Not only did I do it, but God did it through me. I can't believe what I saw God do. I can't believe what you did, God. I don't want to go through life and wonder about, can God use me? Can God do anything through me? Is God alive? Does he exist? I want to lay it out on the line. I want to go out on this adventure called by God, and I want to throw it out at the end of it going, it took, it took my breath away to see God's handiwork, to see what he did in my life, to see how he used me, and he changed the world. He opened up the doors, and all the Gentiles started to believe because of Paul and Barnabas being obedient. I don't know if I can change the whole world. I can change my world. I can change the world God's put me into just to do it. So how about you? How about that great adventure? You've been maybe hit and miss this summer. Maybe, you, maybe you've been tracking and God's prompting you and whispering to you. How about it? For some of you, you'll never know what it is until you just say yes. You say yes. And watch that adventure unfold. For some of us, for some of us, it's just a matter of doing it. Would you do it? No, really, would you do it? I've got an idea. I want to make a company that makes tennis shoes. And I'm going to have a little slogan that says, just do it. You think there's hope for it? I'll tell you what, there's hope for the kingdom. There's hope for this church. There's hope for the world you'll just do it. You bow your heads with me. Lord, thank you for teaching us through 
the book of Acts with Paul and Barnabas. <laughs> amazing, amazing how you use them. I'm convinced you're not done using people yet. You want to raise an army up right here in this room. Men and women who will say yes to your great adventure and then hold on for the ride. I pray that not one of us here, not one of us here would end this life without seeing a fresh, vital, alive, mighty work of God in our life. God, if you would just do it, we will just do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.